Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. Heavenly Father, and uh, we just want, O oh God, to come before you, and uh, with a humble heart, Lord, we ask thee that you cleanse us from all um, mistakes that we have committed, whether um, we did it deliberately or unconsciously. We ask thee, Lord, that you will cleanse us, wipe and blot out all our iniquities, Lord God through the cleansing of your word and your Holy Spirit. And we ask the Lord that as you gathered us tonight, virtually, Father, to learn your words, we ask thee that may your Holy Spirit gives us deeper understanding of your word, O God. And I ask thee that you prepare our hearts, Father God, for your words to be planted. Lord the truth that is planted in our hearts will yield, Lord God, into plenty of a harvest spiritually in our lives, Lord God. And we pray that you give us as well, Lord God, knowledge and deeper understanding of your word and reveal unto us, O oh Lord God, thyself, by using, Lord God, Brother George, to help us, Lord God, to study those again. And we just want to commit to you the rest of our meeting, Lord God. But through this, may we bring glory to your name. And by learning your word, Lord God, that we can grow in our spiritual walk with you. Just want to commit everything unto thy hand. In this we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's us. That was the Google Me. Okay. Um, we would um, make a start. So we'll continue our study in um, Second Kings after. In Second Kings chapter five. Um, let's see. So Second Kings chapter five. I think last time we studied, we were looking at um, the story of Nehemiah. Give us a recap of what we did last time. Abigail, give us a recap. No matter how you hide. Um, so, I think last time we read uh, 2 Kings 5, verse 15 to 19. Yeah. Um, so, from verse 15, uh, uh, talked about how uh, as soon as Naaman was healed, he just he went back to Elisha and he had a heart full of gratitude. So um, we should have the same kind of heart when God has done something for us or when we've experienced a miracle, we should um, keep going back to God and thanking him. And then in verse 16, um, it said about how Elisha wouldn't accept any of Naaman's gifts uh, because well, he was still kind of an unexperienced um, new believer, and um, he he knew that uh, Naaman's healing wasn't by his own power; it was by God's power. So um, he couldn't. Elijah should have any praise and thanksgiving that uh, should have gone to God. So uh, I should make sure that I don't take what belongs to God for myself. I should always. Uh, deflect the praise and gratitude after him um, 
and also before I if people want to give me things I should always ask God as well before um, I agree to take it and verse 17 Naaman thought he needed soil like the the earth from where Elisha lived to praise God but we can praise God anywhere at any time Someone, anything else? <clears throat> okay. So, we will look at um, the remaining part of that chapter today. So can somebody read from Second Kings chapter five, in verse twenty? Let's read it down to verse twenty-seven, seven verses, or is it eight verses? Can somebody from the Salido family read it for us? Second Kings five, or verse twenty, down to twenty-seven. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So as Gehazi set off after Naman, when, when Naman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. Is everything all right? Yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give them. By all means, take twice as much silver, the man insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts with Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he was inside the house. When he went in to his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? I haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elisha asked him, Don't you realize that I was there in spirit when the man stepped down from his chariot to meet me? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle, and male and female servants? Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from the man's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. story is very interesting, but it's good to establish a point from it. Do you remember that Eli- Elisha had rejected gifts from Naaman? Do you remember very clearly? And if you look at 16, when Naaman offered Elisha, those gifts. He said in verse 16, but he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And Naaman urged him to take it, but he refused. So you see that Elisha refused those gifts. Now, just to establish some, some precepts here, it's not that he wrong accepting gifts from people. There was no, after all, in verse, if you look at chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4, look at verse 42. Then a man came from Baal Shalisa and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley bread and newly ripened grain in his napster. You see, 
Elisha collected his bread and the grain from this man from Baal Shalisa. So, Elisha collected gifts from this man in chapter 4, but did not collect from Naaman in chapter 5. Can we discuss why is there a difference between the chapter 4 Elisha who collected gifts and the chapter 5 Elisha who refused to take gifts from from Naaman? Can we discuss it? What's the difference? I think in chapter 4, there was famine, isn't it? And then there is uh, there was a scarcity of uh, food and everything. And uh, he's trying to feed the hundred men. Yes. And obviously, I think God has sent this, um, you know, uh, this person for their, uh, you know, uh, they will be able to feed the hundred men, but here in chapter five, mm. like the the gifts from Naaman is so lavish, it's so like over the top, brother George, like silver and everything, and that's why I think Elisha did not accept those because he knew that God can always provide and meet their daily needs, uh, you know, one day at a time. Mm. So, I agree with you, but don't you think, let me, let's just look at it, don't you think if Elisha collected his gifts, do you think he would have used it for himself, or he would have distributed it and helped people, like what he did in chapter 4? I think, George, you know, if God will um, answer our prayers, because he will answer what we need and not what we want like you know in the prayer um in matthew chapter 6 give our daily bread yes that's my thanks Nika. it's just i'll just try to establish a point that elijah was uh, sorry elisha was a selfless man there was famine, and he did not commandeer the bread for himself. I remember we discussed it. He helped those people. And if he collected these gifts from Naaman, if, if he collected it, he would use it to buy a mansion. I don't think he would use it to build a bigger house. You understand? The disposition I see of Elisha was a man who was ready to help people when needed. But what touches my heart here is that remember what he told Gehazi when Gehazi lied and said, I did not go anywhere. Look at verse 26, the second part of verse 26. The Bible said, Elisha now told Gehazi, is it time to receive money, to receive clothing, to receive only groups, but sheep, oxen, male servants, and female servants. So for Elisha there, it was no time to collect anything because God did not tell him that this was the time to collect. You see it? Is it time? That was the that was the that was the question. Is it time to collect? Isn't that referring to a prophecy? Okay. Yeah, which I don't know, isn't it one of... I don't know about the timing now, but it sounds a lot like the ones in Isaiah and Jeremiah. I've been oh, okay, reading. okay, okay. I get what you're saying, yeah? But yeah. I don't know if it's, if, if it's yeah, appropriate. It, it, it could, but, you know, it's just all about God's timing. Mm -hmm. What I'm sensing there is that God should direct every step we take and that is the same thing I see Elisha waiting on God. I'm sure when the 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 when he brought the when Nehemiah presented the, the gifts, 
The first thing Elisha will ask is God, should I take this thing? Is it for me? Is it time to collect this? And you could see it as well that even for Naaman, you don't want, you know what gift does at times? People who are not grounded in the things of God, when they start giving and um, giving gifts and bringing resources for God's work, the, 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 the rule is that you give your life first. You give your heart first before your money comes, before your gifts come. When you are not totally surrendered unto God, your gifts are an abomination to Him. So what we saw here was a man. yes, he was grateful, he was happy that he had received a miracle, but he was not ready to stand up to his master, the king, and say, O oh, king, I cannot come to you. I cannot follow you to Raymond's temple again. Raymond did not help me do When I had leprosy, Raymond did not help me. This God you call Raymond, I don't think he's a God. It's just wood we have carved out. It's just an empty shrine. There's no power in this God. When I was suffering from leprosy for years, Raymond did not do anything. I now have to go to the true God, the living God. And that's the person I'm going to serve. Nehemiah had not developed the God yet to challenge the king. So it wasn't time for God to receive gifts from his hand. And someone like Nehemiah needed more follow-up. You understand? More teaching about the God of heaven. You see, that's why miracles does not always guarantee that you understand. The fact that you receive a miracle does not, does not, first of all, guarantee that you understand the God that gave you the miracle. God in his mercy gave you the miracle. And that's God. The Bible says he allows the sun to shine on both the righteous and on the unrighteous. That's our God. God is merciful. But if you want to know him deeper, if you want to progress in your relationship with him, then you need to be ready to give your heart wholeheartedly to him. So Naaman didn't understand, and it's not his fault. He's just getting to know this God. And then, we want to start collecting gifts from him. At times, what happens is that when you start collecting, or should I say, taking advantage of somebody who has just given his or her life to Christ. That person might not understand the true meaning of giving to God. It's good that person understands it, so that he or she will give to God from a heart that is yielded to God already. And that was the that was the issue here. So Elijah knew that it was. Now, verse, verse sixteen is quite clear. They want, I think he was he was concerned that Naaman might give him the glory, you know, rather than yeah. giving it to God. And verse sixteen, he makes a clear stand, say, "It's not me, it's God." And exactly. as you say, God, God doesn't need gifts; He's got you know, He owns everything. So. Yes. He says, as the Lord lives before whom I stand. The, 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 most, the biggest tragedy, I think, is that, I mean, I mean you have Elijah, then you have Elisha, and Geziah, he was in line to be after, after Elisha. He kind of screws it up because, of, because he wanted wealth more than he wanted God. Hmm. That's that 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 to me is a tragedy. Is that is that um, the the way that Elisha? Because you you have to compare this to say say the story of Elijah and Elisha, that he wanted double the blessing that that kind of seen. And I mean, he must have seen the miracle. Like he's seen the miracles that's happened previously in in Elisha's life. Mm. So he's just he's just kind of thinking, okay. He 
he's just thinking very short term. Also, rather than run, run kind of very, very long term. So, so yeah, it's it's like you said. It's sad. Look at look at verse twenty. It's very interesting to show you the thinking process of Gehazi. Look at it. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, "Look, Master has spared Naaman, this Syria." while not receiving from his hands what he brought. Look at the language. My master has spared. Let's look at other translations and we will build on that. Now, what does Amplified say on New Living? Yes? Uh, Elisha said, did not my spirit go with it? No, verse 20. Oh, sorry, sorry. Verse 20. But Jehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master spared this uh, okay. Naaman the Syrian in not receiving from his hands what he broke. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. Now, NIV, yes. NIV says, uh, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master was too easy on Naaman, oh. Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought. A showing of leaves. Are we taking note of those words? Look at it. In Gehazi's way of thinking, Elisha speared. That means for Gehazi, anybody that needs help from and comes to God for help is like a chicken that needs to be eaten. It's like food that God has brought so that we can eat it. Anybody Look at what look at what um, NIV said. NIV said, "My master has what was too easy." That means anybody that comes to God for help must be taxed, must be sucked dry. The message. The message is, "My master has let this Aramean." Neman slipped through his fingers ah! without so much as a thank you. Do you do you see do you see the thinking of Gehazi? Anybody that comes to the man of God for help needs to be sucked. We need to suck the juice it's of the money. We need to not spare him because they have money. We must collect it. Uh, George, in good news, yes. it says here, my master has let Naaman get away without paying a thing. He ah. should have accepted what that Syrian offered him. Hmm. Do you see? For, Na for Gehazi, he saw people that need help that come to Elisha as... Which, which other analogy can we use? He saw them like... Like, um, you know, I'm sorry, I'm using the, the uh, chicken analogy again. He saw them as hands, as layers that need to keep producing eggs for us. That was the way Gehazi saw the work of God and ministry. Uh, George, uh, Jethro said it seems like a business. Exactly. Thank you, Jethro. Business. We must gain profit from this thing. We must we must gain as much money as we can get from ministry, from helping people, from from trying to stand in the place of God before people. It's like a business now. We know there are some people when they come to a church, some pastors when they come to a church to preach. They go to a church to preach based on the number of people they see. So 
when they see a thousand people, they are already calculating their head. They say yes. A thousand that means sixty pounds per person. So sixty pounds is equal to what? Sixty thousand. So at least in the offering today, we can we can say we are getting thirty thousand pounds. Some people see the work of God as a business. But excuse me, do you remember what scripture says? Paul was talking to the Corinthian Christians. He said, freely you have received. What should you do? If you receive something freely, how should you give it? How much did Elisha pay to work this miracle? Nothing. Nothing. Do you know Elisha did not leave his bedroom when he sent Yazi to tell Naaman to go and um, wash in the Jordan River seven times? Do you know Elisha did not get up? He did not expend his energy. He sent a message. He received the instruction freely. So why should he now sell it? Is that not ungodliness? Let me show you a scripture. I think it's in First Timothy. Very, very important. It's important we, we look at it because we have no option but to follow these principles. Look at First Timothy chapter 6. It says, um, just bear with me. It was talking about not using godliness as a means of gain. Let me look for it. Now, uh, well, uh, 1 Timothy 6 verse 5. Eh? 1 Timothy 6 verse 5. 1 Timothy 6. Look at it. Yes, thank you very much. It says, if um, let me read it from verse 4. Oh, sorry, from verse 3. It says, 1 Timothy 6 from verse 3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to hold some words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come rivaling evil suspicion, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. When you start thinking that being godly should be a means of gain, you have missed it. Still on this verse, still on this chapter, because it comes to what we are discussing. It was talking to rich people. I know the instruction was to rich people, but it's also important that we glean some truth from it. The Bible says here, in verse 10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That is 10 of First Timothy 6. When you have allowed the love of money to grip your heart, there are some things that happen. The Bible says it's the root of all evil. And it also talks about some have strayed away from the faith in their greediness. Like Gehazi. And have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 
when you make money a big issue in your heart do you know what happens you pierce yourself with many sorrows look at Gazi. like don't was seen do you know Gazi actually was the person ideally that should be taking over from elijah ideally because it was elijah's watch it was like elijah's disciple he was the one to take over elijah is not god he's not he's only a man and his ministry cannot be everlasting somebody will need to have taken over from him but look at what greed look at what the piercing of his heart with many sorrows has done to him now so we are seeing the consequence of greed look at another important rule we need to invite it's so important the bible says in verse 6 now godliness with contentment is great gain very important principle <coughs> godliness with contentment you see i used to think that when you are godly god will give you money and that is great gain you read that scripture it's saying godliness plus contentment that is where the gain is actually it's not godliness with more money that is gain do you know even if you have five billion dollars in your account and you don't add contentment to it you are in trouble or you don't know that there are rich people who want to be richer George, actually it says here in Good News in 1 Timothy 6, 5 yes. and constant arguments from people whose minds do not function and who no longer have the truth they think that religion is a way to become rich <laughs> Oh my God May God help us that we don't fall into this category of people Yes. So, so does that mean we shouldn't have any saving? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only conclusion I can come from 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 what you're saying. Basically, is is that uh, we should be living on the breadline, and because without that, we we don't know where we're at. Uh, no, that I've not. That, that has not. That is not the suggestion in any face or form. If you read this scripture very clearly the bible was talking about greed is it that Gehazi was not contented but he probably wasn't rich yes, he wanted to be rich but he yes. probably wasn't rich he wasn't rich <laughs> so that's why when you are godly at every stage in your life it doesn't mean that you have all you need that's why Nika was saying earlier that we have a father he will provide our needs even if you need even if you need a million pounds today and you don't have a million pounds in your account god can provide because it's a need for you some people will say no i have to be rich to get that one million pounds those who are rich and god has blessed they are not rich for the sake of being rich if you read the story the instructions to the rich here in verse 17 he says command those who are rich in this present age not to be hearty nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living god who gives us richly all things to enjoy let them do so that they might be rich in good works ready to give i can what's what's most interesting is so, that uh, naaman doesn't give him he so so in in verse five it says 
So he departed, took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought him to the letter. So, so, um, so, so ten talents for up to seventy-five grams of silver, and sixty-six thousand shekels worked out to sixty-six kilograms of gold. But the thing is, when, when, and, and two changes, ten changes of clothing. So, at, at the end of the chapter, Gehazi only gets two talents of silver mm-hmm. and two changes of garments. So, so he barely gets, so he kind of gets the scraps from Naaman, mm-hmm. and also he kind of gets the leprosy with it, because he doesn't actually kind of, um, so, 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 so Gehazi thinks he's getting a lot, but he doesn't actually get a lot at all because y- you know how much he's actually got in the beginning because it says it in verse five. Yes. So, so what we are trying to address is the issue of greed. Yeah. It's not the issue of whether you have savings or not. That's not the issue. In fact, you will go through scriptures, you will see a lot of rich men. And there's nothing wrong with it. Like the uh, prosperity uh, preacher, I think they are using sometimes like if you give, if you sow tenfold, you give it for the work of God, God will gonna return it to you in tenfold. But if you give to God hundredfold, you will be blessed hundredfold. And you know, you always hear this. Uh, you know, prosperity gospel to those kinds of preachers. That's why I'm not surprised that they are living a luxurious life, this preacher. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, greed pushes a lot of people to do these things. And it's the greed God is putting his finger on. It's not, look at what Dom highlighted to us now. Naaman, I'm uh, sorry, Gazi only got the scrap. But what God is interested in is not actually what he collected. It's the greed in his heart. It's the greed. And the way we live our lives, God has said it and he has promised us. He said he will provide. He will um, provide you your needs. He will, he will um, how does the Bible say it again? He will supply, yes. Your needs according to it's not according to your bank account, it's not according to your savings because can, you can save money, but at times you need more money more than your savings. So, who do you call on to? It's God, and God, in His mercy, He has done it before, He will do it again, He will provide. But you don't have to go and aim and say, Yes, I must be rich. And then you go and pierce yourself with many sorrows. <coughs> and you go and do things you ought not to do. You go and bad bite, stab people in the back. People who want, some people, not everybody of course. So when they want to make it, they step on people anyhow. They do very ungodly things and undercut people to make money for themselves. For the Christian, that's not the case. Abraham was rich. Job was rich. And thank God, in their introduction, it was about them being godly. Job, when you see his introduction, they called him the righteous man. The righteous Job. His riches was second. His godliness was the first thing. So, what I'm saying here, is that we need to be careful about greed in the heart. If God blesses you to be a businessman, no problem. God has a reason for blessing you so that you can be rich in good works. Like this scripture says here. Because if God is against the rich, he will not be talking to the rich who are Christians in this scripture. You can see here, the Bible says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be proud. At least I've read, I've met some rich and I know some 
way, the way of thinking they have. They look at money as their strong backbone. And because they have money, they can step on people anyhow. That is not the, that's not the thing. Somebody was telling me some years ago, a man in his first Lexus was driving and I think a taxi driver with his car, banged up car, a taxi, accidentally scratched the Porsche Lexus. Guess what the rich man, when he came out on the Lexus, said? He said, I will kill you and bury you in court. <laughs> that, is, that is how rich people talk. When I finish killing you, I'll bury you in court. What does that mean? Is that not arrogance? So, Paul was instructing the rich people here. He said, he was telling them not to be proud, not to be hurt, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. How does a rich man trust God? When he has everything in his big at his big and call. But the instruction is if you trust God, even if he has two billion pounds in his account. Because he gets to a stage in his life that money cannot buy everything. He realize that money cannot buy everything. You know, so what we are saying here is that God is trying to address greed in the heart. It's not actually the money itself that is wrong. It's not the love of... The Bible says love of money, not money. It says love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It did not say money is the root of all kinds of evil. In fact, the Bible says it's in Proverbs. He that loves silver and gold can never be satisfied with it. That's what scripture says. So going back to Gehazi in Second Kings chapter five. So Kevin, you can be rich, please. No problem. <laughs> you can, as long as your trust is not in those riches. Are you sure? Are you really sure? <laughs> See, it is scriptural. There's no problem with it. As long as it is handled correctly. Now we can come on holiday. <laughs> you see what we are saying? She said holiday. She didn't say Bible study on the earth. <laughs> you see the issue? The as long as we handle it properly. She said, you heard what Funga said? Holiday on the earth, under the sun. I thought you said Bible study. Oh, that's what happened. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. That is second, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So, going back to Gehazi, look at, so, we were just trying to, that Gehazi, the way he saw people, he saw them as like cash cows, which is wrong. Even if, you see, by the grace of God, even if you, God anoints you and you are a miracle worker, and God is blessing the work of your hand, you still need to be ordinary like Elijah or like Elisha ordinary he did not make a big thing out of the miracle because he knew it wasn't him it was God you remember when Peter and John were going to the temple and they healed the man at the beautiful gate do you remember and people gathered it was very interesting what they said please let's just remind ourselves let's go to that acts when people gathered sorry acts chapter 3 in acts chapter 3 when they healed the man at the beautiful gate the bible said in verse um Twelve. Let me read from verse eleven. 
Now, as the lame man who was healed, held unto Peter and John. So I'm looking at Acts chapter 3 from verse 11. After the man was healed, the man had been to the lame man. The Bible says, Now, as the lame man who was healed, held unto Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the pouch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel. Why do you marvel at this? Oh, why so intently at us? As though by our power or godliness, we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. And let me let me let me jump. It says, and in verse sixteen, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him his perfect soundness in the presence of you all. An obvious miracle has just happened, and naturally. People will focus on the human that God passed through. It's only responsible for us if we encounter this situation to give all the glory to Him. It is not about us. How much did Peter and John pay to work this miracle? What did they actually even do? How much energy? In fact, how much praying and fasting did they do? For this miracle to come to pass. You know, they were not planning to perform miracles. They wanted to go and pray. And God moved. To show you, it is not about them. It's about Jesus. The same thing. We must always have this mindset. That we are ordinary. We are only vessels. Acting vessels. That God chooses to pass through. To do his work. So when people want to glorify you, please, by the mercy of God upon your life, make sure you turn them to Jesus. It's not about you. Gehazi was thinking about himself. That was why he said, Ah, my mother has spared. <laughs> he saw the work of Elisha in his head. He saw it as a means to get money. And that must not be our thinking. Freely we have received, so freely give. I trust God will help us. Now, let's go back to that second king. Chapter 5. verse 21 no verse 20 sorry he says look my master has fed me man this senior while not receiving from his hands what he brought but as the lord lives i will run after him and take something from him now i want you to see do you see the similarity in the language Gehazi said that what he said there. You know, like same thing, but there was a difference. Look at the difference. Verse sixteen. Remember verse sixteen. Elisha said, "As the Lord lives, before whom I stand, I will receive nothing." Gehazi said in verse in verse twenty. The Lord lives, I will run. He omitted before whom I stand. Do you see the difference? The difference in those two statements is the phrase before whom I stand. Let me remind you again. Let's go to First Kings chapter 17. Elijah 
also made this statement when he was challenging Ahab on that God. First Kings 17. We'll come back to this first Kings, to this second Kings 5. Look at it. Verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite of Ethans of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord of the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew or rain these years except at my word. So Elijah also made this statement. As the Lord lives, before whom I stand. Why is it that Gehazi, as the Lord lives, before whom I stand, he omitted before whom I stand. Can we discuss why did he omit it? Because he knew that he is not standing in the truth of God. Exactly. That is the main difference and that is the issue. He could not say as the Lord lives, before whom I am standing. Beloved brethren, as children of God, as servants of God, you must have a standing before the Lord. If God is going to be, is going to have his approval stamp upon your life, Elijah, before he could go and confront Ahab, he had to say, before whom I stand. There is no way he could be a servant of God standing before God. The same thing with Elisha. Everything Elisha did was before whom the Lord was standing. But Gehazi, his own story was different. Because he was being engineered and pushed by greed, if he was even going to make that statement, he would have said, as the Lord lives, before whom I am standing with greed. There was no way he could say before whom I stand, before God. Greed was his main um, desire. Greed was pushing him. Do you see how he ran? Let's go back to Second Kings. Do you see how Gehazi ran? The Bible said he was running after a chariot. When a man is being pushed by greed, he can run on that. There's something that is pushing him. There's something that's inspiring him. It's not God. It's greed. Is there also some prejudice going on? Because, well, because he thought, well, Naaman shouldn't get let off paying to the man of God. Yes, because he's a Syrian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. He shouldn't that get away with not paying. Oh, we're not paying, yes. You see, that's what we are trying to highlight again. That the work of God, the ministry of God, and serving God, serving people. Whether it was a Syrian, whether it's an Egyptian, whether it's from Moab, it should serve God by serving people. So like you said, he, he already had factored the fact that, oh, this guy is a Syrian, he must pay. <laughs> he must pay. How can you just come and get healing for free? But God, who gave the healing, gave it freely. Why should he pay? He was going to do anything. He should go back and serve God. That was the only demand on his life. And not to pay money. And not to give talents of silver, bags of silver, and changes of raman, remains. No. So we saw how Gehazi could not say before whom I stand, the Lord before whom I stand. 
because he did not have a standing before God. When greed enters a man's heart, he don't have a standing again. <laughs> when ulterior moves, dodgy motives, is pushing you to do God's work, you don't have a standing before him. When self, self um, ambition, is what is propelling and giving you energy to serve God, you don't have a standing any longer before him. And the prayer now, it should be, oh Lord, help my heart. That self-motivation, self-enhancement um, should not be what is pushing any of us to do God's work. That does not give you a standing before God. And I... Yes, I mean I agree with everything you said, but I still would like to bring up twenty six again, verse twenty six. Mm-hmm. Verse twenty six is it? He said unto him, "When not mine heart with thee?" So in the spirit he was with him. When the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee, is it a time to receive money and to receive garments? Mm-hmm. That's all that Naaman brought with him was money and garments. But mm-hmm. then Elisha then gives this whole long list of other stuff. Yes. All the list of other stuff, which is like, well, it, it looks like he's, <laughs> it doesn't look like he's with Naaman. So I, I definitely think there's something, there's something there, which is, um, it doesn't change what you've been teaching by any means, but, uh, but, it, but I do think there's something else in this that, uh, that Elisha is alluding to. Yes, in fact, the way I'm seeing that scripture is that Gehazi's heart was not only centered on clothes and money. If Gehazi by mistake became a prophet, do you know if God doesn't help his heart, he was going to get more things. He was going to get olive groves, vineyards. The small miracle we do like this, we just tell the, the man who he said, you're free today. You need to go and bring male and female servants. I need people to serve me. Your feet today is going to be 20 heads of sheep and 40 oxen. Yes, nigga. I think, George, um, if uh, Jihazi is like uh, Judas, the Scariot, like the treasurer, mm. so probably he's calculating already that probably every time Elisha will gonna do a tremendous, uh, you know, miracles, healing ministry like that. And he's calculating already. That's why um, we can see here that Elisha, God has already revealed uh, Jehazi's heart to him. Mm. Yes. You know, what you said is so, is so correct. Look at when Judas was asking. You remember when Mary broke that very expensive perfume and poured it on Jesus? Look at what Judas said. He said, ah, we could have spent this thing on the poor. The Bible recorded. He said that not because he loved the poor, but because he was a thief. Serving God with ulterior motives from truly serving him selflessly is totally wrong. That was what was happening with Judas. And you know, when the Bible said there that the, you know, Elijah said, where did you go? He asked Gehazi, where did you go? And Gehazi lied. Your servant did not go anywhere. Now, you know what touched me there was when he answered, then he said, Did not my heart go with you? When turned back from his chariot to meet you? Question. And, beloved brethren, do you know, for us, we do not have a hiding place from God. God sees our hearts. You know, for Gehazi here, this scripture for me was just figurative, a figurative lesson for us that God is everywhere. 
including wherever your heart inclination is. For Gehazi, his heart was to run and get money for him. For us, no matter the inclination of your heart, God knows it. You can't go and lie before God in the place of prayer and say, God, you know, I just love you. And God is looking at your heart and say, what he's saying, is it true? For Gehazi, he was not going to escape. The same way for us, we must realize that our heart, our intentions, our ambitions are open before God. The Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? In that scripture in Jeremiah, the later verses now says, I the Lord knows the heart. It's only God that knows our heart. And because God knows your heart, you must be open before him. If Gehazi had said, Oh, Elisha, I'm sorry. What I've done is totally wrong. I actually ran after the man to collect money. I'm sorry. Let us see. We might not have been his portion. But he lied. I did not go anywhere. Forgetting that there is a God in heaven who sees everything. Let us not think we are lying to a man when we lie. You know, that's what that scripture is projecting to my heart now. At times, when you lie, it's as if you are lying to a man, isn't it? But actually, it's God you are dealing with. It's God you are dealing with. It's not a man. For Gehazi, he thought, oh well, let me just lie to him. But it's God. And we must be careful about that. If Gehazi has said, oh, Elisha, I'm sorry. I know you rejected gifts from Naaman, but I just thought, ah, ah, how can you let him go? So I went to collect my own portion of the bounty. <laughs> if he had said that, honestly, in my heart, I feel I may be wrong, we would have received mercy. But he lied. He said, my servant, your servant did not go anywhere. In fact, he could have even added, you know, Elisha, I was even praying inside. <laughs> but look at it. Elisha now said, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? So you see, you see Elisha's relationship with Gehazi. For me, that, point, that statement, Did not my heart go with you? Elisha did not see Gehazi just like an ordinary servant. Elisha carried Gehazi on his heart. I know the ending of this story doesn't look like that. But honestly, this only teaches me a lesson. That I should carry brethren on my heart. What I mean by that is, when you carry somebody on your heart, you are able to pray for that person. You are able to genuinely care for that person. You can empathize with that person. Like Elijah said, did not my heart go with you? Actually, Gehazi. Elisha carried Gehazi on his heart. Because Elisha was the, was the master. Gehazi was the servant. I saw that relationship as a relationship of Elisha trying to help Gehazi by praying for him. But on, I know the, the story. The story doesn't seem like that. Maybe you can say if you want that um, Elisha was harsh. By bringing the cause of leprosy on Gehazi. But the lesson for us there is not actually that curse. 
It just shows us that there are consequences. There are consequences for disobeying God. Even when God gives you an opportunity to repent, even when God is saying, no, you do the right thing, and you refuse, there are consequences. And those are the consequences we saw there. Where did you go? I didn't go anywhere. I didn't go anywhere. He lied. I'm sure if Gazi, if Elisha said, but I saw you, you were hiding some, some silver and some changes or raiment. Actually, it's just some rubbish I, I wanted to throw away. He didn't want to repent. He didn't want to change. And God must help us. When we are confronted with our misbehavior before God, please, let us not be hard-hearted. Let's be true to God and repent truly. It is when we repent we receive mercy. When we repent, God is merciful. The reason why God is, is always forgiving is so that we can repent and come onto the right path. That's the reason. God is so patient and long-suffering so that we can change. So that we can repent. So, we are and part of our prayer point is, Lord, help me that I have a right standing before you. It's so important. Help me, Lord. Now, yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't just want to carry the Christian outlook, the outward appearance of a Christian. But that truly in my heart, I have a right standing before you. And that we'll be selfless in service. We'll not be looking, first of all, at our own personal gain in serving God. Our own personal self-gratification. No. Interested in lifting Jesus high at all times and exalting him. And him alone should be exalted. It must be about him and not about us. I trust the Lord will help us. So, Amen. Praise the Lord. So, Brother Michael, just to remind you, our teaching is finished. Come and join Pastor George's Bible Study at 8 p.m. 